Last week, we played an interesting and quite candid conversation between Melbourne City restaurateur Mark Pyrrhic of Punch Lane Restaurant. He's been in the business for 28 years and he does understand the philosophy of running a busy city restaurant. He spoke with our Rita Ehrlich and explains what he looks for in staff, how he works to find solutions when things go pear-shaped, as they sometimes do in hospitality. Really fortunate to have staff that, that are emotionally intelligent as well as being good at their job. Yep. And that's a really important quality for me because that emotional intelligence, that connection with people, knowing when to sort of um, to bow in or bow out of a situation and, and how to be gentle and how to be firm, I think they're all part of what makes gives a restaurant character and individuality. And the culture has been more of that way inclined. And, and I think when things started to open up, that worked in our favour. We really engaged with people in, in a natural way. And I think that sort of set us apart in a way. And we found people wanting to really come here particularly because of that connection. That, that, that would be right. Yeah. Whereas there would have been all sorts of much newer places. Correct. Places that had opened up just before COVID who kind of struggled a bit and who hadn't quite found their, their stride. Exactly. I think, you know, before the interview, we were talking later about ageing and I think there's a lot of benefits that you maybe, hopefully some parts of wisdom come with ageing and, and being less reactionary. And I mm. think that um, trying to be uh, level-headed and less reactionary really does have a place in the world when you don't just jump to conclusions. Yep. And I think that's a really important part of this kind of business. But because we're on a treadmill and everything's fast, and we're like, like we were talking earlier, internet bookings and people wanting to get a result and be, people being stressed, there's a lot of other cracks that can appear in ways socially. And I think the conversation socially now is that we're all looking at those qualities a lot more. We're, we're deep diving into our psyche, into our community. And, and what sociability means. Correct. What's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Yeah. Like, as you mentioned, like you might go onto a bank website and they'll say, you know, our policy is to be respectful and to be courteous. We expect the same from you. So there's a lot more warnings, you know, buyer beware right. sort of type. That's right. And and those who don't know what being polite is still don't know. Exactly. What and, and they're, they're, in, they're as much shock as the other person because yeah. they think, what have I done wrong? You yeah, know, like, I don't get right. this. What, does, what does this mean? What advice would you give people planning to open a restaurant? Uh, be prepared for the unexpected. Be prepared to be uncomfortable. <laughs> be prepared to be open-minded and not fixed. Ultimately, enjoy yourself, enjoy the endeavour, but you're not going to be working a regular job and you might be envious of those around you that feel like their lives are in a lot more order than yours is. But realise what comes with that chaos is growth and possibility and, and excitement that eludes a lot of people because you really are living in a on a day-to-day -day sort of um, precarious slope. And every, every day is different. Every day is different, even though, you know, you might have a garbage pickup or, a, you know, the canopy cleaning or the, you know, the, like Saturday night we had a fridge breakdown at 6.30. Well, like, oh, great. <laughs> like, like, it's always Saturday night. It's usually a long weekend and, I, and I'm bringing staff and I was two and a half hours away, so negotiating somebody to come on site and fix it. 
So they're the sort of inconveniences and the people that are around you that are used to being with you realise that when you pull away and you're on the phone, there's always something going on and it always seems to be quite often (laughs) rather than quite seldom. So it's not a life for anyone who likes a regular or a predictable life. It's not a predictable life at all, but it's a very rewarding life and it's a rich life. You get to see, taste, experience... um, have frivolity in ways that you would never think of, um, encounters with people that you would never think you would, would, would meet. Um, and, you know, it's, it's rich and rewarding. Yeah, and it's, in some ways it's like the performance industry. It is, absolutely. As, as much as food. In your 28 years uh, here, uh, dietary requirements have come in. Yes, they're and, and the, you know, thick and 20, fast. Yeah, and I remember um, because I was co-editing the Age Good Food Guide when you opened, and I remember it's at your early days very well indeed. But twenty in nineteen ninety five, vegetarian was a possibility, but that was about it. That was, that was you correct. That was it. Now we have like uh, fructose. We have. Uh, vegan, we have FODMAP diet, you know, there's so many different um, layers and levels and I think, you know, some of it is just people actually genuinely being allergic to products. I think that's um, I think through the world, I think that's happening to to many, many people. Mm -hmm. Some of it is faddish. I think sometimes people just are being selective about being particular and I think Mm. the thing to negotiate in a restaurant is if you want attention, we'll give you attention. Correct, correct. And then it's negotiating the chef at the other end, yeah. depending on who you've got and their way of dealing with that. And so there's multi-layers to, to achieving that goal. And I think restaurant now menus are written with all of some of these things or most of these things in mind, which dictate the, the menu in a way, especially if you've got a small menu, That's making right. things gluten-free. In, and in a small kitchen it's actually very difficult to run a gluten-free section correct but like the it it all goes back to the creative abilities of a a Mm. chef and sometimes it's like you know having a trade any trades person you could have two different trades people in front of you give them exactly the same job you can have a different relationship with both the conversation might go differently their acumen their knowledge you know, one might be really smooth sailing, the other's a bit more hiccupy. Yeah. So these are these variables we're talking about with owning a restaurant. You know, you, you, there's a lot of relationships that you're actually um, trying to navigate all the time. And funnily enough, those needs that people have become one of those situations where you're navigating, you know, from someone asking for something on a web, like on a booking platform mm. and picking up that information, running with it, trying to contact them, not them not being available, then something else changes along the way, then the chef's got one message, then something else happens, then on a night something different happens, and then you think you've covered all the bases of a table of ten, and then someone says, oh, by the way, I don't eat crustaceans, or, you know, I'm allergic to peanuts, or you don't yeah. know. And that it's that's not the time to say you should have told us earlier. No, exactly, you can't do that, because that's that's manners you don't do that yeah. but you feel like that's what you want to do but that yeah. doesn't change the fact you have to actually go go into um, action mode and, and come up with a solution that makes everyone feel at the table included and the staff all in a good place yeah that's right because if the staff are not in a good place everything else falls out yeah around. that's right and they're, and they're the they're the uh, triggers that happen 
you know, unbeknownst to you, they're like landmines. They're just, you don't, you're just walking along a field and you're thinking everything's safe and all of a sudden you think, where did that explosion come from? It just came out of nowhere. <laughs> I've never thought of running a restaurant being like walking through a minefield. You've got, you know, you've got, you know everything's perfect, you know, everyone's double-checked, the table's set up and all of a sudden all these variables come in, something breaks down, someone has, some, something's gone amiss, you know, there's something going on in the kitchen, something... It's just a, a multitude of things that can go wrong. And I think that's when restauranting in its purest sense is when you're actually at your best because it's in that kind of like uh, MacGyver kind of mode where you're just pulling out things out of your hat to kind of piece it together. That's, that's where the richness comes from, funnily enough. And that's where the good stories come from and that's where the, you know, the, the, the deep-seated... Uh, restaurant feeling comes from but it comes like at a price (laughs) but there's that wonderful feeling of we did it we did it and we did it together and we pulled through and and the staff really it it can be quite bonding yeah uh, if you've got the right people (laughs) that's right is it hard getting the right people i think so i think that i think maybe i don't know hopefully i'm not like this but the older you get you kind of not become particular but you know what you like and what you don't and it's a little bit like going to the market and you know that you want beautiful produce, but what's available is really good, yeah. but it's not exactly what you want. And it doesn't fit the brief. So you, you, you go into that other thing, how do I bring people along with me? How do I take that? Um, how can I make that, that relationship flourish? Uh, is, is it doable? Do they have what it takes? Um, yeah. And these are management skills and they're not often enough talked about in the hospitality industry. No, there's a lot of... Uh, and that, that's where a lot of the stress comes from with, um, because you're dealing with human beings and we're all variable and you're trying to get you know, this you know, Instagram moment that people have you know, like pictured in their mind in the reality and then all the variables that happen with it. And you know, it, it feels successful when things don't go perfectly for you any particular night of the week, but you feel like there's something positive that comes from it. You know, like right. someone's experience is turned around or there's a relationship formed or you, know, you can kind of get through that awkward moment. That's right. When things go wrong but no one, none of the diners notices. Correct. Uh, the funny story I have, Rita, which goes back to your time when you were um, working with Claude, is that, like, Lucia, my, my daughter, was born, so that my second child, and it was she was born on the 1st of April, and we were at the Freemasons down the road, and it was, a, I think it was an Easter long weekend. It was, you know, the end of a month, beginning of a month, those really simple things at the time, not having a lot of flush with money, trying to run your wine list mm. accordingly, you know, potentially running out of something on the weekend. And, of course, Claude comes along on the first day we're open after the long weekend. Lucia's born, I'm not around. Um, and he orders a bottle of wine, uh, um, uh, Peter Rumble, sparkling red, which we didn't have on the list. Well, we had on the list, but we didn't have... Yeah. We sold the last bottle and it wasn't available. And I remember thinking, like, I've got a daughter born here and I've got a good food guy, critic, come in and review my restaurant. The two things are synonymous with one another because you're doing this to make a, a commercial endeavour to grow your family and then you've got, like, a new family member that's the most important thing at the time and I'm sort of in this quagmire between these two worlds of how do I co- con- consolidate this um, scenario. So I remember thinking... And maybe, you know, it's all about trying too hard or trying to please or, you know, it's that kind of innate mm. restaurant thing that um, end up buying a lunic card with a, a stalk 
carrying a bottle of wine flying in the air and I put in a, po- a postal, postal pack, Peter Rumble Shiraz, and I sent it to um, Claude. I can't remember what I wrote on the card. But <laughs> oh, very funny. <laughs> and I just thought, God, the lengths you go to, you know, like it's almost like you're sucking up to the reviewer, like, you know, but it was out of genuine kind of that's like right. authenticity that I did. It wasn't, it was sort of to say, I really care yeah, and, that's and I don't right. want things um, to go wrong that, and this is not who I am. And yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a lot, he would have liked that a lot. The thing that I'm interested in is that you remember what the wine was. <laughs> it stuck out like I could remember it like the, like it was yesterday. <laughs> Martin, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. This has been great. Reed Rulick there in conversation with Martin Pyrrick of Punch Lane Restaurant in Melbourne. Sounds like a great place to go for the philosophy and the service, not to mention the food and the wine. If you missed the first part of this story, it's up on soundcloud.com forward slash Travel Writers Radio. This is the Travel Writers Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.